hey, Jenna, thank you so much for coming in today. Really appreciate you rearranging as well, obviously a second time. So thank you so much for coming in. And I'm really excited about this episode because you're someone that I've looked up to for a long time as a result of finding your account. Um, obviously first time we've met in person, but have some mutual friends, which is amazing. And I've always loved your content around your own journey as an athlete, moving into business. And then what you're doing now for fitness professionals is, is yeah, just amazing to see. Got a lot of people in my audience who are female fitness professionals, and I know they're gonna benefit so much from hearing what we talk about today. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for that intro. That was so kind of you. I'm very happy to be here. Finally, it does. It definitely took us both a couple of goes, but we made it. Yeah, thank you for continuing to, to reboot that in. And yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> you're still in London in a way, but selfishly, really glad. So thank you, yeah, for, for coming in. Everything happens for a reason. London obviously wants me here. London was calling. <laughs> it does. Literally. Let's go right back to kind of the beginning then, so we can have some context for what we're going to talk about today. Who is Jenna? Talk to me a little bit through your background in terms of the competing, the business side of it. And yeah, I believe you even did your level three, didn't you? So mm -hmm. we've got some really cool backstory there to unpack. Level three, is that certificate three and four in fitness yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we just call it free sorry but yeah. oh okay well yeah we call, we, we go up to four in australia yeah. no um yeah no i did do that okay so who is jenna um i would say i am an extremely devoted person to the goals that i have and the passions that i pursue so i'm on a mission to create and feel freedom with myself and the people that i love and for the people that i love and for everyone that i work with really that's kind of like I would say my purpose in life. I definitely do know what it is and I'm grateful that I've walked the path that I've walked to allow me to find it so early in life. I think people spend their whole time searching for it. Um, where it all began, I was, well, I don't know. Where do we went? First I was born. <laughs> we, I was born <laughs> in South way Africa. Back. Yeah, we'll go way back. Born in South Africa, moved to Australia, my parents split. Um, that was obviously quite traumatic as a kid. That happened when I was 15. Um, it was a pretty messy split. I kind of forced me to grow up really quickly. Um, taught me some really masculine traits and tendencies because I, I was living with my dad after that, who's ex-South African army, ex-military. He was also a marketer. Right. Um, and my first corporate job was working in the business that he worked in, um, which really shaped me because I went to uni full-time at night after school. I studied commerce at uni. I was selling pest control and hygiene services okay. to facility service, uh, managers around Sydney. Um, so my first role was sales and I actually loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I love selling pest control and hygiene services, believe it or not. But I just knew it wasn't me. So I got qualified as a personal trainer. I really like to learn and... Um, I don't love the unknown. So I actually went to Europe. I put on eight kilos, came back. And I got a personal trainer who helped me lose the weight. And I just, I, I, she was in control. You know, she was telling me what to do. She was, she was guiding me. And I was so inspired by her that I also wanted to understand what was happening um, to my body and, and, and to prevent that from happening again. So I got qualified. And from there, I started working in pharmaceuticals. My my first job in marketing was for PharmaCare Laboratories in Australia. And I was working in health and wellness and on superfoods and weight loss. So from there, it really just accelerated into the fitness world. I just loved it and it was working, it was thriving. And I started to find this like alignment and synergy where I had this marketing corporate role, but I was able to just talk about my hobbies and my passion all day, which became pursuing greatness and growth and that is something that you really tick off daily and weekly and and four weekly when you have a training plan and you can see progress right yeah so, 
that's it that's me <laughs> and yeah. now i'm here yeah now we're here that yeah that was really lovely thank you for, for sharing that i mean something that you said which i found really interesting going back to the you spent more time with your dad after the breakups so i kind of had those more masculine traits mm. the idea of kind of like masculine and feminine energy or traits in life and in business not a concept I'd even really heard of a couple of years ago before starting this podca podcast. Then more and more guests kind of brought that up. And I found mm -hmm. that really interesting because my dad left before I was born, actually to Australia. So I grew up with just my mum and then people were kind of, yeah, talking about this. And I was like, ah, so I started looking into that a little bit more. So what would you say some of those more masculine traits were that you developed as a result of kind of growing up more with your dad and have any of those served you or been an issue in business? A hundred percent. Um I attribute a large portion of my growth to the masculine parts of me. I have this part of me that I call Drill Sergeant Jenna, um, and she is an absolute boss bitch, but she has very little empathy, has compassion, but is very structured, very organized, very to the point, very direct, very devoted, um, very focused, um, and not precious not easily offended and I think that's been really helpful in business because I work with a lot of men a lot of directors a lot of corporates and I, I like don't want to step on anyone's toes when I say this but when I started my first company and I worked with businesses it was business to business marketing support and the managers that I was working with were all men so it just so happened to be like they were the ones in the senior positions at the time and um they don't say as many words as girls you know you can present your design you can present your strategy you can present your idea and you're gonna get like a no yeah no you know and whereas women tend to be more considerate and so i think in those stages of my growth i learned and i'm not saying men aren't considerate but they just say things longer take longer to say things um in those stages of my growth i was able to really learn to 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 gauge feedback work faster um and and not take offense if something if someone's paying you to do something and you don't do it to the way they like it, it's not that they don't, it's not that you've done it wrong, right? In, in strategy and marketing, it's everything is subjective. Um, like what does happiness mean to you? What does results mean to you? What does good mean to you more or less? And all of these things are subjective. So until you get it right, you just have to keep trying. And the only thing that's going to stop you from keeping on trying is yourself, which generally comes from a lack of self-belief, which is made worse by fearing what other people think of you, which is quite a feminine trait, right? So I think you just, it kind of like taught me just to get a job done. Um, but on the flip side, it's probably been harm, like harmful in business in many ways as well because leadership. Leadership requires a, an element of femininity that allows you to read a room, have compassion, be empathetic, understand, um, to you know whilst on on the masculine side you can negotiate on the feminine side you kind of like cooperate and you you can lead and discuss and i think it's learning to manage and lead that is kind of like masculine and feminine yeah that's so interesting mm. at what point would you say you first started to become aware of this more masculine traits feminine traits which ones you had more naturally as a result of your upbringing and what ones you needed to develop more mm when my mom died. So my mom passed in 2020 and it pushed me down a healing journey that probably accelerated a lot of understanding of my own personal growth and trauma. And I know it's like such a heavy concept to talk about, but I say it with a lot of love. She's gone and I was lucky enough to have her love for 27 years of my life. And the journey that I've been on, I'm grateful that I chose to heal 
And in healing, that's when people like to me, wow, you're so masculine. And all, you know, therapists, NLP coaches would show me or help me identify the parts of me that were super masculine and in control. Um, and it's only when you feel safe enough to slow down that you can start to allow for the feminine side to come through. And whether you call it masculine or feminine or you think that's woo-woo, it's it's not. If you look at behavioral science, there are traits that make up a human, right? And you can say, you can bullshit it all you like, but really we all know there's some parts of us that are really strong that get shit done. And then there's parts of us that cry in sad movies when dogs die, right? Yeah, there you go, masculine and feminine. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Which so you mentioned your dad being uh, South African Special Forces. Yeah. So I mean they're you know, some of the spe- uh, toughest Special Forces obviously in the world. So I imagine that probably influenced you. What you said a second ago there around like maybe um, being scared to kind of feel those emotions was that partly because you felt like you couldn't growing up? Yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Nine months after my mum passed, my sister was having a baby, and at her baby shower, I cried, and my dad was like, "What's wrong? You're acting like somebody's died." And he's just, he, his way of showing love is to like control or intervene. Um, he would never want to see me hurt. Poor man just flew over here from Sydney when the hospital called yeah, him and told that. him I was in a coma. But um, he would never want to see me hurt. He's, his way of showing love is to make sure that we are safe and growing. Like when I quit my pharmaceutical job in corporate, he was devastated he was so mad because it's all he ever wanted was like I followed his path right um he's got a very scarcity mindset because and he's very rigid and he's very um he's quite funny but he's also quite like quite quite abrupt so it just it it, it's a difficult one to navigate I think our generation and our parents are worlds apart you know we've developed it way faster than anyone um any generation has i would say and so there's there's a lack of understanding but there's no lack of love and that brings with it a bit of challenge right you know when somebody loves you in the best way they know how but it's met with he didn't understand bodybuilding he didn't understand online marketing he doesn't understand well he does now five years later but when i was quitting my job and you just want your father to support you and it's met with like fear and angst that he's going to end up supporting you financially um, i'm like don't worry dad i've got it you know so it was really hard when my one support system wasn't my biggest believer um but he what he is he just needed i the, needed to show him how. Yeah, exactly. What does he say now about your the current career and business? Oh, he's he's so proud. He's so um, proud, but he just it's funny cuz he I can still tell that he um he doesn't necessarily understand our world, you know. Um my sister called me a WWE pro. <laughs> and I'm definitely not a wrestler. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I find all of that really interesting because I never, yeah, I never had anyone like that that I kind of had to worry about their opinion or please, or I moved to Thailand when I was 16. So I've kind of always done wow. my own thing without having to necessarily worry about in a good or, or a bad way because there's pros and cons, but I've never had to worry about what, what my parents are going to say or let mm-hmm. them influence those decisions. But I do feel like there are a lot of people our generation, as you just said, which obviously naturally value their parents' opinions as they probably should and they let them really influence their decisions. So because we now do live in this digital world and there are careers available out of things like bodybuilding Mm -hmm. and the fitness industry that weren't really an option 10, 15 years ago, it is very hard for them to 
to understand that. So what advice would you give to someone that is maybe looking to, in any area, not necessarily the fitness industry, but maybe transition or grow away from kind of their career, but they don't have the support of their parents? Like, how did you navigate that? Because that must have been tough. It was really tough. It was really, really tough. And my advice is to take yourself out of your environment. Even if it's for a weekend, go get an Airbnb. Doesn't have to be fancy. Going to the going to nature, and just switch off and go for a walk and ask yourself, you know, whose life am I living? Do I do I follow the steps that of my parents and my family? Am I on the path that has been predetermined for me by society and my parents? And everything that we are is our programmed makeup it's it's a sum of choices that we've made and have been made before us you know I always say we won the lotto the day we were born but on the flip side of that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and we don't give ourselves enough time to actually question these things because we're pushed into society so quickly from the age of like 15 you have to finish school make these big choices get a job start paying bills move out pay more bills live in London live in Sydney and then you have to get a job that is good based on who looks after you so that they don't have to look after you anymore and you can go look after yourself doing the thing that you were taught to do how because your parents told you to do it. And so what really ends up happening is whether you like it or not, to some degree, you're living the life that's chosen for you. I did the same degree as my dad and I went to work for him. (laughs) Tell me that's not true, right? And the only way, I went to Europe for three months because I was like, fuck this, I can't finish uni. I hate what I'm doing. I actually loved what I was doing. I just failed business statistics. But anyway, it wasn't until I went to Europe that I was like, okay, it's really important to me that I have this freedom. And I I started to ask myself again, when my mom passed and working with um, NLP coaches, it's like, what am I doing when I'm happiest? When I feel the happiest, what am I doing? And how can I do more of that? And it's understanding yourself more that allows you to then go, okay, I don't actually like doing this. I don't actually like that person. I think I need to move and then move because you're not a tree, right? If you don't want to live where you live anymore, get up and move. If you don't want to do what you're doing anymore, get up and study or learn a new skill and go do that or change jobs. It's like we, we, I was so inspired by one of my best friends who moved to London. She split with her husband got a divorce, sold her house, left her animals, just got up, sold her business, came here, started a new life. And I was like, what? People don't do that at 30. But she did. And I'm just kind of like, wow. So it's, it's so inspiring because I think so many people complain. And if you catch up with your friends and you hear them on the weekend and they're kind of like moaning about the same thing over and over again, I just would rather not, right? I love that beautifully put. You're not a tree. You don't have roots. Mm. <laughs> Just get up and move. Exactly. It sounds like you've read Deep Work by Cal Newport by the start of that. that yes, answer. I have that book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could tell by the start of that. Answer, <laughs> I agree with that so much. Yeah. And there's loads that I want to unpack there. But I think, I mean, firstly, when you've done exactly what you just described there from kind of like the pharmaceutical role into the fitness industry, was there like one aha moment where you were like, yeah, like not for me, I'm not living a life that's truly authentic to myself or was it kind of just an accumulation over time? Mm. I had that moment when I was a kid. I don't know why, like I have this memory, I don't even know if it's real. I just remember sitting in the backseat of my dad's car and I was talking about, <laughs> I think it might've been like Louis Vuitton bags or something. And my dad was kind of like, where do you get this from? I was a kid. And I think I was, it's so stupid. I actually do remember it. But um, I just thought, I don't ever want to let anybody tell me that I can't have 
what I can't have or that I can't go where I can't go. And being an immigrant and coming from another country and having a large portion of my family and roots, all of them, in another country, I was like, well, I want, want to go see my family on the weekend. It's so far and it's so expensive. And back then I'd saved like two years to go back to South Africa when I was working at Subway. And I'm like, I can't do that. Um, if I want to have what I want to have, like there's nothing worse than not having what you want, right? Um, especially when it's the companionship of your own family or the freedom to decide how you spend your time. Um, so it was kind of like an aha moment when I was a kid. But in growing up, I just... I think there was a, another pivotal time where I remember saying to my boss who worked so hard and he was so smart. He taught me so much. He's probably the most brilliant marketer I've ever met. And I worked out what his salary would have been. I just worked like, it's not hard to mm. work out. Right. And then I knew what we were making in our portfolio. And I was just kind of like, you know how important you are to this profitable business. And why like why are you here and he just said well I've got three kids and a mortgage <laughs> and I that for me was also another moment where I was like mm, mm, mm. yeah not for me yeah. like I mean it is for me one day but like just trust pieces you got to move before you get there right yeah and now you're in London with some of your best friends yeah your dad's here He's gone home There's now. Louis. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Your dad came to visit you. Yeah. There's a Louis Vuitton bag in the corner. There he is. So do you feel proud when you think about all of that, that you had that moment where you literally said to yourself, this is what you want to achieve and you made a massive career change. You let your dad, let, let your dad down a bit, temporarily, short term, yeah. pivoted, and now you've, you've kind of pulled all of that off. I do. I do when you say it. I do. I think the recent experience that I had in being so sick was so earth shattering and like, terrifying for me it, it 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 forced me to find peace and stillness because I was lying in a hospital bed <laughs> um for eight days but I, f I feel a lot of gratitude just a lot of gratitude for everything that I have done and I think there's pride but then there's the one thing that I feel that I lack as a founder and I I get this a lot with my clients I think every founder lacks it it's self-belief and trust you know, when I look back, I'm so proud. When I look forward, I'm so scared sometimes. And I'm, it, it, it's that mm. constant reframing. So well yeah. And it's like, you've proven to yourself that you've overcome all the adversity that you've faced and you've grown through it all and you've been successful by m many people's definitions, including my own. So what makes you think in the future you're not going to? Oh, I love that. That's yeah. made me feel a lot better. Thank you. Good, good. Because I had this woman, my new client, she's exited her tech business and, and cashed out. She's in her fifth year, so it's like the deal's done. And um, she's so amazing to me. Like I looked at her, I'm like, wow, you're incredible. And, you know, there's this element of like, okay, I've just done that, but now I'm starting all over again. And I'm like, you're going to do it again, right? And it's funny how we can say these things to other people, but we can't say them to ourselves. So yeah, I do feel proud and I'm starting to have a little bit more belief in myself because I've survived. You've got <laughs> and I'm growing. mountain of proof that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. That was really nicely put. Hey, it's Leo here. Just very quickly interrupting this podcast episode to share with you a really exciting announcement. The Nexus team are now available to take on new one-on-one -on -one online nutrition clients. So if you're interested in working with myself or anyone on the team for your nutrition, health or body composition based goals, then follow the link in the show notes and you can see all of the information on what that might look like to work with us. The reason why I really wanted to, to emphasize that was, well, one, it was really nice to hear. So thank you for sharing. But also there's probably 
10 to 15 girls that I'm friends with that I'm literally thinking of, you know, specifically, yeah. which are either dabbling in the fitness industry at the moment, like they're just getting started, but mm -hmm. they're maybe not quite giving it their all. Like I can see they're holding back a little bit from their full potential because they're a little bit afraid to put themselves out there to commit, to do sales, to do marketing. Maybe they think marketing themselves or trying to sell is kind of like icky. And then there's also another handful that I'm thinking of that are doing their PT course at the moment or are telling me that they, they want to. Mm. but they're still in that nine to five salaried role. Mm -hmm. So, and they're kind of scared of transitioning across. So to just hear like your story and how you done that and everything yeah. worked out, you know, like that for me is just, yeah, I really wanted to. Yeah. And you know, it, it didn't work out at the, at the time. There were so many things that went wrong. I came to London and ended up in a coma. There's a period of time when that didn't work out either. Yeah. Right. Like my dad and sister had to fly over or I've had business partners that I've split up with and, you know, found myself in really, freaking sticky situations where if I was to take you back there right now, it wasn't working out, but you work it out, right? And it's 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 specificity and frequency. It's, it's like progressive overload. It's skin in the game. And it's like building a muscle. If you don't stop, it will grow. Yeah. It's the same thing in business. And it's always fear that holds you back. It's always going to be fear that holds you back from everything in life. I remember the first bodybuilding show I did, I was... I didn't take it seriously because I didn't believe in myself. So I was overeating. I didn't get lean enough. I had to do this ridiculous crash keto diet. And I put on 11 kilos afterwards in like eight weeks. It was horrible. But yeah, it's because... I actually remember that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. A long time. long time ago. Um, and it's because I didn't believe in myself enough to give it a shot. And when you are... When you started... When I started a business, I remember selling like a, a booty guide once. And I was like scared. What would people think of me? I'm putting my butt on the internet. <laughs> And people who judge you aren't going to pay you. So fuck yeah. them. Like, honestly, excuse my language, but like, don't worry about them. They're not, why would you not do something for the people that don't like you? That makes absolutely no sense, right? Yeah, so well put. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I absolutely love that. I think life's always going to have ups and downs, but you know, you do have to get out of your comfort zone and being self-employed, whether you want to call it, yeah, just a self-employed, you know, online coach, personal trainer, mm -hmm. or a founder if you're trying to build a slightly larger business. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, it's not going to be as linear as maybe having a salaried role where that income is more consistent. But you have to ask yourself those questions that you've you've shared, that you asked yourself and be like, does this actually align with with what I want? And yeah, I'm just, I really hope that there's the, all, the, all the girls that I'm thinking of that I'm friends with kind of start asking themselves those questions and, and believe in themselves a little bit more. A hundred percent. I've actually got this, you can ask me for it, by the way, if anyone's listening, I'll send it to you. It's a sheet of 370 value traits. And when we were talking about masculine and feminine before, if you look at all the character traits and attributes that, that there are, you'll be able to tell which ones are strong and which ones are soft so let's let's just align with those for now but I really recommend that you identify what your core values are as a person because whether you want to start a business or not you are a business if you have to go to work every day and you make money that's your business you are your business your your reputation is your brand and if you have a business then you're obviously a personal brand as well or you're building a brand which as a founder people follow the founder's journey so it's important to really clearly define what your value box is and i like to i did this and i did i listed 50 values that i really like and i did it on excel and then i prioritized them and then i filtered it and then i did it again and i got down to my 10 core values because you kind of pick words that sound the same like belonging and family and connection and then you can narrow it down <clears throat> and when you know what your values are then you know who you want to work with and who you're here to work for and who you're here to help and then everything else starts to not matter 
right? If somebody comes along and they don't tick that value system, it doesn't matter what they think. Then you don't want to work with them anyway. No, it's not about them not paying you. You don't want to work with them. And I think when you run a business or you start a business or even when you're employed, it's so nice when you get to choose the power of choice. It's like freedom to me. So if you can choose who you get to work with because you're so good that you're wanted by, you've got options, or you can choose who your clients are that you can say no to money, then your life is so rich because you're working with people who are aligned with you and you get back from them every single day. There's nothing worse than sitting there and you're about to jump on a Zoom with a client that you know you don't like or you have to go into work for a boss that you hate, right? Why, like work is like 30% of our life. Why would we do that to ourselves? Yeah. I love that. I, I think I can't even really relate because I've kind of only ever been self-employed. Like the fitness yeah. industry is all I've ever done. So like when people, when my clients turn up for their sessions or my friends are like moaning to me about yeah. it, like this person didn't meet their deadlines and I'm doing their work, even though it's not my department. I'm just like, how do you live like that? Yeah. Well, you would be able to relate if ever you've had a client that you just didn't like, you know? I mean, not everyone's cup of tea. It can happen, yeah. I guess, but... Um, I've never had one. Well, that's good. Yeah. There was a couple where in hindsight, I wasn't the right fit for them when I was younger. You mm -hmm. have that, you know, your new scarcity mindset. Yeah. Maybe that like sign them up and then solve, you know, figure out how to solve their problems later, yeah, which yeah, you know, yeah. now I, I maybe don't always believe in. But other than a couple where, yeah, I probably wasn't right for them. Mm -hmm. I think I've always done a really good job of being like, we're going to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't need your money. So yeah, yeah we're not the right fit to, to work with each other, which is something I think I developed quite early, which was really useful. But I'd be really interested, if you don't mind sharing, to hear a little bit more about what some of those 10 core values are to you. If there's like a couple that stand out that you think would be relevant to share. Definitely. I would say, I it's kind of like, like when you said at the start, who are you? And we're human beings, right? Not human doings or human havings. And everyone introduces themselves by what they do. Like I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a bodybuilder, I'm a business owner. And when you say, who are you or what do you do? I really like to refrain from answering with the company that I run, the bodybuilding shows that I've done, the friends that I have or the places that I've been to. So I know that I am adventurous and driven and playful. I'm extremely loyal, maybe to my own detriment. I am growth minded and um, integrity is a really big value of mine. Um, being hardworking and fun and, and, and that having that childish enthusiasm that keeps me adventurous that's really like who I am right so I, I'm very inquisitive and curious and I love to explore and I love to solve problems and ask questions and and connect with people and um yeah I'd say like obviously with again knowing that that freedom of choice and to experience life with people who you love and to make an impact that's like sort of the governing thing that I think those traits tie in really nicely too if that makes sense so yeah. I'd say that is who I am and those are my traits and your personal values and and traits don't have to be your business values right I mean obviously to some degree we don't want a business that's completely different to us it's not going to work but um there are parts of me that I like leave at the door when I step into work okay. mode, you know? Interesting. I'd never really thought of that before. So yeah, give us an example if that's okay. I've had to learn. I mean, 
I had a boss once that would be like, leave your personal life at home and you kind of just go into work right. and you're in work mode. I understand that. But when you run a business and when you're a service provider, I was actually going to say this to you before, people choose to work with you because they like you. The difference between you and the next person who offers the same service that you offer is largely indifferent because especially these days with tech and white labeling, the way that it looks is all the same. Yeah. What makes people like you is your personality. Like I always say we're in the era of personality-led profit. However... There's parts of my personality that may make people feel safe enough to share things that I'm not equipped to deal with. That's the part of me that I will leave at the door. So whilst I'm inquisitive and like to ask questions, if something's wrong with my friends, I want to know how I can support them or share, um, be there for them. But when it comes to professionalism as a business consultant, I don't call myself a business coach. I don't coach people through confidence or mindset or overcoming limiting beliefs. I can spot them. And I'll tell them when I can spot them, but then I'll tell them you need to go work on that because you're holding me back from doing my job to help you do your job because you don't believe in yourself enough to actually do it. And you did um, a whole post on that, didn't you? You were like, I'm not your NLP coach. Exactly. Your, yeah. And I think it's like a real weird blurry line. Behavioral change science is a trending term. Weight Watchers are putting it on their TV ads right now. So it's in any industry. It's in any category. But um, I think the parts of me that in business I've had to leave behind – or for my friends, are those more feminine sides, which is like, you know, I'm careful with what I share. I think about my clients all the time. Like I'll say something and I'm like, that, that person would love that. It's usually business related, obviously. Um, but that, that back and forth texting or the, I, I talk to all my clients on WhatsApp. I break my own rules because I tell everybody not to do that. But I do, you know, I'm, I'm very close with my clients in terms of the time that we spend together and helping them in all different ways. Um, but I just have to be mindful with boundaries or being their f support. I'm not that person, you know, it's where business tech support here to guide and lead, but, um, I understand that shit happens and I'll, I'm, I'm understanding, but I'll point you in the direction. I've got a great therapist. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like it. I, so I guess that kind of comes back to you being prepared to not be right for everyone and being okay for that. So if depending on what you feel like this person needs, going, okay, I might not be the right person 100%. for you and that's okay. That's not a form of rejection. That doesn't make you a failure. Yeah. That's you being clear on your values and what it is you do and what you offer and just appreciating that that's not what everyone needs. I had to learn that last year and I learned it probably the hard way because I've been in this space for a long time and built a community that I never sold to because I built the community through bodybuilding and I never sold online coaching. And when I did uh, launch my offer in the business space, I attracted a lot of females and and men, but, but women in business startups. And when you're a personal brand and you invest money into a business, you're hopeful, you're, you're uh really devoted and desperate to a degree and then it's quite an emotive transaction um and with that comes that fear that we were talking about that holds people back it's not my jam it's not my avenue so i had to be mindful that i was getting all these leads and i was taking them on because at the time i would, like you need money when you're a startup and and, and you, you you need experience but then i started to notice other people pop up into the space in the business coaching space that have more of a mindset background. Um, and I'm like, you know what? You actually should probably work with her because before you can make any content or an offer or, or coach people, you need to actually believe you can. Yeah. 
So I can give you – it's like it's like comp prep or dieting. I can give you the best plan in the world, but it doesn't work unless you do. And that's the broken part or the part that needs work first. You know what I mean? So, um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I do the same thing. I know what it's like to have a bad week and just be like, meh. It's the first time I've recorded a podcast in over a month. So, oh, well, yeah. Thank you for yeah. Thank you. For thank you for having me. <laughs> There's two. I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that because again, it's not really a thought process that I, I'd been through. So, I'm viewing that kind of through two lenses. Firstly, if you're the relatively new coach or wanting to transition into the industry. I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, but that being um, okay with, I guess, being rejected, if you want for a better way of putting it, not being right for everyone and not being scarcity minded around like income and signing people up, Mm -hmm. they're probably more masculine traits. Mm. So for a lot of women that are trying to get into this industry, they're probably going to struggle with that. But we've just identified that that's a bit of a sticking point in terms of growing your business because you can sign up the wrong person. You then might think this industry is not right for you. You're not going to obviously get amazing results because Mm -hmm. you've got that you know disalignment with the values versus what you're offering yeah so how would you kind of help coach someone around that there's a famous quote I can't remember exactly who it's by or how it goes but it's don't judge me by who I accept by who I accept judge me by what I reject essentially as well so it's not always about what you take on it's what you say no to and the importance behind staying align to your values and and choosing to work in these uh, spaces and with people that are aligned means you're going to get better results. If there's friction between you and somebody who you are not aligned with, they're not going to adhere to what you ask them to do. No matter what industry you're in, if they don't like you, they're not going to do things for you. They're not going to market your business. The time and effort and the stress that you put into that client could be better used somewhere else and you're going to feel better. You're going to glow. Your energy is going to be better and you're going to attract more of that. So that's very important. And when you're starting out, calculate it because you need to have safety. And the thing that's going to force you to take on the things that don't align is the scarcity mindset or the very real truth that you need money to survive. So take calculated risks. I love the idea of going all in, but I mean, don't go all in to the point that it's at your own detriment because then you you lead with desperation and fear. You're going to attract desperate and fearful clients. And I know that some people might not believe in that, but I'm telling you it's true. And so I like the idea of the swinging trapeze theory. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Barefoot Investor, but he talks about turning a side hustle into your main focus. And it's like having a swinging trapeze where you need to bridge the gap with the income of your side hustle. It might not match your full-time job, but let's say you're making 75000 and your side hustle gets to fifty, right? Then you know that you're, you're in a position where you can at least quit. And when you give yourself that 38 hours in a week or 40 or 60, then you're going to make that money back right? It's so, if you put all your time and effort into the one thing, then you're going to get it back. So you got to take calculated risks so that you're not working from a place of desperation. Because when you lead with desperation and fear, you're going to get it back. And I'll tell you a story. When I went to Bali last November, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this good for business. I'm going to push the digital nomad that was trending at the time. I'm going to go live in Bali. I'm going to work on my laptop and jump in the pool at lunchtime and sip on cocktails on the weekend I picked up six clients in a a week it was a record month at the time and um they all went overseas (laughs) all of them and they were all coming to me because they're like we love what you're doing like I was leading by by example and 
as a result, I've made my work for myself and my team very difficult because it's not that there was an issue. We managed it. Like our clients can do that. That's what, that's what we do. We do the heavy lifting. But six at once, all overseas, different time zones, and we have shit to do. I was like, sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, isn't it amazing how you... Um, <clears throat> you've done something that you actually might think is not particularly great for business, but just by literally leading, by living the type of life that other people want to relate to, obviously you show them that that opportunity is available. Yeah, you get what you give. Since being here, I've picked up two clients in London and you asked me to come on the podcast. I'm, you know, just by putting it out there, I think that's really important. So yeah, the opportunities are there. It's like coming back to the whole, you're not a tree, you have to move. You just have to believe in yourself. And I know that sounds so um, cliche, but uh, you do, because it's like your opportunity could be right next to you, but you're too busy sitting on your phone. Yeah, yeah, that's right? brilliant. It's a message I can fully get behind. Mine was Phuket twice at 16 and 21, Bali and, and uh, London for, for you. Yeah. But yeah, everyone's got that version of the story where it's like you did this thing and then lots of great things happened. As exactly. A of it, yeah. So. Bali, like I, like record month in business, met my current chief technology officer who's invested into my company and, and helped me completely restructure and change the business. He's changed the trajectory of, of Big Appetite. And um, it's funny how these people change the trajectory of your life. Just like even meeting my last business partner did, although it was short, I learned so many lessons and it put me on a different path. And now I'm here and I wouldn't have been here if I didn't do that in the first place. And um, it's it's being open to communicate with people that you don't know and asking questions. And, and that's an, a feminine thing as well. It's an element of trust, which boy, I don't have, no. but I'm learning. I'm, I mean, I'm obviously learning because it's the second time that I'm sort of like letting people in. I've always um, been a massive soloist in life and you can't live like that yeah you can't let you just can't live like that so we've had the opposite problem where we've got so many people involved in the business now some of which probably gave them a little bit too much brought them on too early it was a little bit too open and trusting and then just very interesting that that's obviously the exact opposite of how you've kind of built your business but yeah. we have the opposite upbringing in terms of mine was just with my mom and yeah ever since <laughs> did some of these podcast episodes about a year and a half ago and people started talking about these masculine and feminine traits. I was like, oh yeah, I was quite sensitive as a child. Like I took things way too personally. So yeah, um, yeah that, that was, yeah, it's really interesting to hear. Yeah. But just going back to what you said a minute ago, I've, to kind of summarize, if someone was looking to transition across, mm -hmm. you, rather than kind of jumping all in and then having to take everyone and anyone's money as a client, whether that's personal training, online coaching, marketing consultancy, you'd probably recommend you know, doing some side income for something that's not relevant so that you don't have to compromise your values as you're transitioning across and building 100%. up that. It doesn't have to not be relevant. You know, you could look on, in Australia, we call it Seek, but you could look on a job finder website and look in the industry that you're passionate about in the that serves the market that you want to serve so that you can at least network with people who do what you do or could buy what you do. And look at the skill set that these big companies are hiring for and then think, what is one of those things that I could do? So, for example, um, if somebody, like, if you want to start a marketing business or a fitness business, right, and you want to get into coaching, maybe you could start being uh, or creating content for brands like Sanitarium, right? If you love to cook, if you're a nutritionist and you want to start a nutrition business but you can't afford to, Go online and look at these look at these companies and actually write reach out to them and say, hey, if you send me your new MPD, your new products, I'd be happy to create recipes for you X a month. Can I like in exchange for a thousand bucks a month? 
And then you do that a couple times over. I read this book once. It was a really easy read. It's called The Thousand Dollar Project. I read it when I was a kid. Not a kid, but I don't know, 17. Kid. And um, she just talks about collecting a thousand dollars. In, and you do that like try, try and do it 10 times a month right and it, I mean obviously that's a lot of money but you sell things or you service like things or you learn a new skill so I would think what is it I'm big in investing in proximity what is it that I'm really good at what is it that I want to sell what's my ideal offer and then what is something that I can sell that's relevant and that way you at least connect with people you know when I was in corporate and I knew I wanted to start my own I always wanted my own marketing agency or or, or business and I wanted to work in fitness so I I got qualified I went to pharmaceuticals I went into the the education space and I was meeting people that became my clients so it is a stepping stone approach as well you it just doesn't appear to be it's easy for me to say and now I have a tech company and I've serviced over 500 trainers around the world but really first I was working here and then I was working there and then I was doing this and then I did that you know what I mean yeah I really love that answer because I'd never really thought of that again where I like went all in in the fitness industry at 18 Mm. but how you just described it was okay you know what I'm currently doing is over here on, on the left what I want to do is over here on the right and one rather than trying to make one massive jump at a time mm-hmm. you moved between a few smaller stepping stones picked up the relevant skills along the way whilst yeah. earning the money from the salaried roles and I guess that's just playing the long game right delaying the gratification zooming out and having a plan so exactly where did the self kind of awareness and intuition come from at a young age to be like okay I'm going to take like this long-term stepping stone approach to achieving my end goal I didn't have a choice I just knew what I wanted and I wanted it so bad it kept me up at night. I wanted my own freedom. I wanted success. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to help others, help others. I originally like what, thought I wanted to be a personal trainer and I did a couple sessions and I hated it. I wasn't did a you? very good one. Yeah, no. Why did you hate it? Oh, just moving other people's weights around. I, I don't know. It wasn't for me. So, but I love, like I loved the journey that, people embark on after a healthy transformation and so I wanted to help as many people do that as possible but I had no choice into in terms of taking it slow because I had no support I mean and what I mean by that is we're an an immigrant family my mom left my dad and took everything everything I had we had no money that after the divorce I went you know my friends are getting brand new BMWs at school and I just had no choice I got my first job when I was 13 I was working at Subway and if I wanted something I had to I had to go get it I had to work for it there was very little I could ask for my dad did support me but I always had to pay him back and you know it was heartbreaking because in South Africa it was a completely different story big houses nice cars you know big dogs lots of money my mom loved to spend my dad's money she was really good at it as well um and he loved her sick and never told her not to and then you know on the flip side of that was this very real no family around me in another country my mom had left in a house that was basically empty with a dad that was traveling and um I just had no one to ask for anything no one was going to give it no one was going to give it to me I had to do it myself so I had to learn and I had to make moves and I always would think okay what's my ideal goal and is this next decision going to get me closer to that goal or not and there's been opportunities in business but they're really distractions in disguise so you can be approached by people companies brands and they position an opportunity to you that sounds nice because it pays you but 
is it going to get me closer to my goals or should I choose the hard way, which seems like the hard way now, but really you're meeting people that are more aligned that provide bigger opportunities later. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Can you provide a specific example of when that happened to you and what kind of framework did you work through to identify is this an opportunity or is this a distraction? It's happened a few times. Um, I actually shared the, the the opportunity with with Mark, a friend of mine, Mark Carroll, and he's always like, why would you do that though? It just sounds like it's taking up your time. And when you get to a point when, I'm not gonna say when you don't need money, but when you get to a point in business when cash flow is coming in and it's consistent and clients have come to me, like I had a, a, a inquiry the other day from a pet food company and a toy manufacturer in India and I took these sales calls and I pitched a, a website build and a, a, a development build, which was quite high priced. And both of them had said yes. And it was my business partner now, Medi, um, at the time, who also said, but we're equipping the team. We're, we're built to service health and wellness professionals. Everything that we do, we understand that market. We know how to create calorie calculators in seconds. And now all of a sudden you want to create like a inventory management system for a toy company it's just going to slow us down it doesn't matter about the money and you're kind of like oh okay i see that and also is she going to go sing her praises to people that are going to be potential customers of mine that i want to work with no am i going to do a really good job with her when i could do a better job with somebody you know what i mean i'd rather just say no and then spend a little bit more time trying to get another client same value more relevant better experience for everyone Mm -hmm. um and on the flip side, you see it happen a lot. Like ugh, friends would be like, let's start a podcast together or let's do this shoot together. Or, let's, and you spend a whole day of your time and money doing things. And at the end of the day, it's like time is money. It's the most precious thing we've got. I'd pay not to do things like that anymore. I'd pay not to be distracted. <laughs> so I'm laughing just because it makes me even more grateful that you'd uh, come, in, come in this <laughs> afternoon. So. Yeah, honestly, I do. Choose your time wisely. You don't get it back. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that, that's I, com- I completely agree. Like, I've definitely been guilty of that. Literally, by definition, personal training is exchanging time for money. Mm-hmm. You're not building a business. Yeah, you earn X amount for that slot, but it does not compound towards building anything, really, mm-hmm. other than a relationship, which is valuable. But you're not building a business. It's not equity that's worth something when you're personal training. So I can relate to that. I've definitely been guilty of that. It almost in a way, though, sounds kind of contradictory to some of the other things that you'll hear and that we've spoke about in terms of obviously putting yourself out there, meeting new people, saying yes to things, moving to different locations. Mm. So I imagine, obviously, there's yeah some sort of framework or questions that you can work through to mm-hmm. help identify and probably also what phase of business and life you're in. But yeah, what would your thoughts on that be? I think personal training is a business. If you're a lawyer or a personal trainer or a dentist, you're a service provider. And you are your business and you are your personal brand and your clients are data, right? They're not just data, they're people, but they're people who pay you because they like and trust you. And if they like you enough, they'll bring more people to you, which is more data, which is more valuable, which helps spread your message. So your brand warmth grows, your reach grows, your digital footprint or your footprint can grow in business. Um, So I think being a personal trainer is a business. It's just then understanding what's my exit strategy? Play the long game. What's my end goal? Am I servicing clients just to make money to get by? That's okay. Paycheck to paycheck. If you don't have a big goal, that's fine too. Pay your super though. (laughs) Um, Or do I want to create something? Do I want to create a product? Do I want to scale this? Do I 
want to stop working with people? Do I want to lead a team? I've got a lot of clients who have created products, whether it's a, a, a calculator, a tech build, a physical product, supplements, shakes, things that can be used, circulated, widely encountered. James Smith is a great example of a personal trainer who scaled by building a brand and, and leaving a message, creating a tech platform, writing books, building his audience and, and, and increasing his reach and then creating new tonic and tapping into a new market, which um, obviously allows him to grow and then, and, and then obviously moving into online courses. That is an example of how you are your business and anything that you can do becomes, it's like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> like everything that he can, everything that he touches is a sponsorship deal, right? And, it, and when people like you, they will trust you to pay and, and pay for what you recommend and that is something that you can generate revenue out of but then also something that you could invest into as well. So um, I think if you're good at something, never do it for free, right? But be so good at it and that and love it so much that you would. And, and that is when you create opportunities to say, how can I turn this business into something? How can I productize my passion? And my, pers- and my personality. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's really great. That's really great advice. I think that, yeah, not that the exact definition obviously matters, but there's a lot of people that are doing personal training, but they don't have it set up like a business though. Mm-hmm. Do they? Like they're, they're taking cash for sessions. hundred percent, yeah. You know, no one's on direct debit. They've yeah. got no policies or contracts in place. They're not doing their content. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff you just described is obviously absolutely spot on, but they're using building a personal training business as the springboard. There's so many people that aren't, yeah, producing the content. They don't have it set up with the yeah. infrastructure of a business. Is, is more what I meant by that. Mm, yeah, yeah. You say that a lot with tradies and, well, any technician. So when you're a personal trainer and you've mastered your craft, that's what you love doing. I've worked with PTs who can't get on Zoom. Like I'm literally sitting there waiting for them. Like, I don't know when one's going on. They're all flustered when they get on Zoom or I send them a Google sheet and they look like they're going to cry. And it's because they're in my world now. And if I was to step into their world, I would hate it too. But when you are so good at what you do, like dentists, lawyers, personal trainers, accountants, they're not, they're not business professionals. It's okay to hate business or to suck at business or to have your shit be a mess when, you are, when you've mastered your craft, which is not business. Like it's my job to be good at what I do. I studied business. I've worked in business my entire life or since I – whatever, you know. So, yeah, you're not building a business unless you're actually trying to build a business. But what you are doing is building a skill set and an audience. And that's valuable. And you can make a business out of that. But it's not an automatic business. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't automatically have a business. If you, you, I learned this when I was in a coma. If you stop working and you don't get paid, you don't have a business. I'm telling you that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean you don't have the opportunity to make a business, right? You just have to pull the right strings and have the right systems. No, I completely agree. That's how I would would define a business as if you stop working you're not earning which Mm. is how most personal trainers are set up because they're not unlike a lot of those other industries where you're technically not paid per hour you're paid to get the job done as Mm -hmm. a personal trainer the majority of them haven't set it up in a way where they're paid for the outcome they are literally paid for the session yeah i'm just i was listening to a book on the tube so spotify guys i don't know if you're into it but if you've got the paid version free ad for spotify um there's so many audiobooks on there i'm burning at the amount of money that i've spent on audible and or books yeah everything and i read this book a really long time ago called story brand And storytelling, I feel, is more important than ever with content marketing right now. But it's on Spotify. 
I'm not going to say it's free because I pay for the premium version, but selling the result is so important because we're humans. We look for clarity and we look for things that make us feel seen, heard and understood. And nobody wants to pay to be told how much to eat or not eat. I'm telling you, when people say they're they're selling nutrition coaching, boring. Why would I want somebody to tell me I can't eat cookies? But if somebody told me that I would be guaranteed to love my body, see my abs all year round and never get sick again, yeah, I would pay, I'd pay them, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, so so true. you got to sell the result. And, and people don't understand that there's, a again, this like uh, scarcity mindset because they're, they're holding on to online coaching, like premium online coaching. Google it. Tell me what you get back. Because I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to get lost in a sea of the 100,000 people in the world, that's billions of people in the world that yeah. sell coaching. Not talking to anyone, not, not solving a specific problem or outcome. Exactly. Why doesn't Weight Watchers say nutrition coaching? They're talking to people who are watching their weight. It's genius. And why don't we look at these other industries that are leading the world, you know, like leading the world in marketing, these multinational corporations with big budgets. I love the tubes in London. I sit there. <laughs> Actually, it would be so funny to see me on a tube. I literally sit there like reading all <laughs> the ads, the, <laughs> the Disney ads that are on the tube right now. There's an, There was another ad that I saw even in the um, train stations or whatever you call them, the tube stations. And I just, I've been taking photos of them as well because I'm like, that's epic. That's so good. And you can always tell who's a tourist in London. <laughs> anyone on the tube that's just like looking at their phone with their headphones in and means, I'm like, means that they're connected to the underground wi-fi and they can use yes. their phone and if you're a tourist you're probably not on the underground wi-fi your data doesn't work exactly there. you're looking at the ads exactly but um they're great and you know we don't watch ads anymore because we don't have to we've got netflix you go to the movies you know the ads go for 25 minutes i don't know i don't go to the movies yeah. but we don't watch ads and if you're watching tv you look on your phone You're missing advertising. I love watching ads. I know that sounds crazy, but I love the way that people try and tell a story in seconds. And Weight Watchers is currently running ads on TV in Australia using the term behavioral change therapy before they say lose weight. It's like, actually, no, I think they say lose weight with behavioral change therapy. So it's like get the result with something that sounds credible. And I think what's happening in the fitness industry is people go, this is what I do and this is how I do it. Right? Yeah. It's like we're not human, we're human beings and you're a brand. You want people to choose you because realistically, <laughs> I hate to say it, but there's only one way to lose weight and it's a calorie deficit. And how many times can people on the internet say the same thing? Yeah. What makes people like James over Mark or Lauren over Rachel or blah, 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 whatever? What makes people choose? It's personality and it's selling a result and it's a lifestyle. Um, so pay attention to the ads that you're skipping because you could learn from them. Yeah, I love that. I actually, I like that you said that I smile because I actually love watching ads too. And I'm always trying to imagine who was sitting in a boardroom and like reverse engineer, like why and how they put this ad together. So it was cool when you, when you When I that. worked in pharmaceuticals, there was this guy, we called him Buzz. Can't remember his real name, but anyway, we called him Buzz. He was our copywriter and we would spend like two to $300,000 on a one page ad in a newspaper and he would spend six weeks on it. And he would draw it out and the positioning of the words, the sentence had to be constructed in a way that had only so many words so that you could hear the image and it was balanced. And I learned so much about graphic design and copywriting and how to say more with less and how an image can say a thousand words. It's so true. And like the, the, the way 
the, the thought process that goes into creating these ads when companies are putting millions of dollars behind them versus the way people create graphics on Canva. Like, come on. You've got to learn from yeah. these people, right? They do, they're so good at it. And when I, when I think back to that time and how serious he used to take one thing and he used to sketch it up and draw it out and then he'd, he'd position like blank text, you know, filler text, then find the words, but he knew what he was trying to say. And I'm like, it's an art. Yeah. It's a, copywriting is, 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 is science. It really is. There's behavioral principles that make us like like the hook and and the call for action and and building desire. Yeah. But also, you can learn it. You really can learn it. So yeah, super it's super important. I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about sales in a minute, if that's okay. But first, just connecting two things you've said, which I, I really love and found really interesting, was a second ago you were saying ultimately the difference between you know Mark and James or whoever, which are preaching the same message, calorie deficit, yeah. is that personality. Going back to something you said earlier at the start was remembering or, or finding out kind of who you are away from, hey, I have a business that does this. Mm -hmm. And th those two things have really resonated with me because for years I was like, well, I'm just a fitness professional. I'm doing 50 PTs a week. I built my entire personality around it. Your entire self-worth is attached to how many PT sessions you're doing. That's probably partly due to the fact I worked in a gym where you have targets and there's like a little bit of competition between the mm -hmm. team, right? Who can do the most this week, this month? It was me, by the way, I have mm -hmm. the records. Mm -hmm. But like you end up building your whole self-worth and identity around that. Yeah. And I remember being asked those really similar questions, probably from a book or a consultancy of someone. And I was like, huh, like, I never talk about the fact that growing up I wanted to be a marine biologist. Mm. I've been to 26 different countries. I've done 50 scuba dives. And yeah. I actually remember years ago when you were diving like in Australia and you first started doing it, I remember like replying to that. Yes. Like, Go dive this dive site. Yeah. Uh, Julian Rocks in Byron Bay. You know, I lived in Thailand, I fought more Tyler. All of these things that are like really core cool make me who I am. And I was like, I'm not talking about them. Like my whole identity has just become being a personal trainer. Yep. And then when you try to move on to the online space, but all of a sudden <clears> I'm <throat> a no one versus just having this little demographic in yep. my hometown, which was relatively easy to build my client base, if I'm mm -hmm. being honest, once I got good at what I was doing, it just people refer, 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 right? I moved to Thailand, started coaching online and I was kind of like, huh, like why am I getting no leads? Like who yeah. am I? What do I do? And, and what is my story? And I found that, that really interesting. But mm -hmm. to tie that, actually into my question is is around sales so you know what would you say because again like maybe i'm wrong maybe you see it a bit differently but i think in in england potentially a cultural thing or at least in the circles that i'm in i see a lot of the girls that i'm friends with being way less willing to kind of put themselves and their story and tell their story their personality their hobbies etc i see way less of that on social media yeah which is definitely a problem if you want to move into this space or grow this space from pt to online coaching yeah so what would you kind of say to that guy in terms of like you know remembering who you are finding out who you are and being willing to share it you've got to face the fear you're not selling because you're scared of coming off salesy because it means something to you that you've assigned to it. Nothing in life has any meaning except for the meaning that we assign to it. And you have given sales a dirty word by choice. And it may be because you've had a bad experience or because you don't want to come off as pushy or because you're scared of being judged. But that's all one thing. That's all fear. And selling is really helping people help themselves. If you genuinely believe that you can help somebody then you're not selling to them. You're just making them believe that you can help them too. And then you're helping them. So like, why is that a bad thing? That's a good thing, yeah. right? It's not about you. It's about helping them. And 
it's it's an integral part it's a key part of your growth and it's it's it is a masculine trait i think the art of negotiating and being pushy and being able to respond to a no i think a lot of the time people don't like rejection and so when they're met with an objection like not now i'm busy then they're just like okay off you go and it is the ability to remain curious because you genuinely want to help and it's not if it's about the money it'll shine through you in seconds but if you genuinely want to help someone and they're telling you that they can't commit to you right now because there's just too much on their plate they're too stressed at work and they just now's not a good time it's like oh my god that's that must be really hard for you when would be a good time to get healthy then imagine being like unhealthy stressed and sick that would suck right so really if you genuinely believe that you can help them then you will help them help themselves it's not a dirty word um also you are always selling like if i said to you let's go get pasta and you wanted pizza i'm selling the idea of pasta over pizza to you i'm selling every point that i make i'm in in having a conversation with somebody somebody is always selling to the other person so when you when you post on social media whether you know it or not you're selling yourself if you get a selfie at a nice restaurant you're selling the idea of going out and getting dressed up you're saying look at me i look hot in this outfit you're selling the idea of yourself for likes that's what you're doing and if you're posting on your story and you're you're sharing a a day in the life of you you're selling the idea of following your story because it should be interesting to your audience so you're always selling something so in between those things you just let people know that you can help them that's selling yeah i love that it's, it's such an important mindset shift. I had a meeting the other day, it was quite funny with a client of mine who owns a sales company. It was him and his co-founder, me and my, my co-founder, we were selling to them. So I'm doing my thing, I'm selling, you know, I love it now, I hated it 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And my client turns around to his co-founder who was the first time I'd met him and he was like, we should try and get him working for us. Like, you're, you're actually good at sales, Leo. And I was like, I've been doing sales 10 years. And he kind of looked at me and was like, huh and I was like do you remember how long it got you to get started like you first inquired how many objections you had and he had this like light bulb moment that despite running a multi seven figure sales company Mm -hmm. um, in telecoms he was kind of like oh yeah I've never viewed you as a salesperson but you did have to sell to me I inquired and then had objections it wasn't the right time you believed that you could help me you sold me and ultimately 18 months later like here we are now going on this journey together at a b2b corporate level as well as as a client mm. and it was because i was like i genuinely know that i can really make a difference to your life yeah i'm prepared to to push this push this sale right if i can sell bird proofing and wires to the opera house of sydney you can sell healthy living to people who want to lose weight I never thought that I was good at sales until I topped the country in selling pest control one time. And I was like, what? But also wow. it's it's problem solution selling. When somebody is inquiring about what you do, they actually want to work with you. If they're booking a call and saying, now I'm, I'm not ready to start, they're lying. They're lying to you. They booked a call, right? If somebody is following you, it's because they're interested in what you're doing. They've already told you. So they've already, like they, they, it's like he who talks first loses, you know what I mean? So if you are in front of somebody who's already engaging with your stuff, they like, they want what you're selling, right? They need it as well, probably. So it's just your ability to build that trust and that relationship, that relatability. And it is so important. I feel like that fear around selling is just something that unfortunately is more prevalent now, I think, because of social media and people 
especially when you're starting out because people are like, oh, I don't want to feel lame. Like I've got my husband's sister on my account or my ex-boss is there or I just feel like people I went to school with, like, oh, should I start a new account? I'm like, why? Who are you hiding from? The first people who are going to pay you are those people. I remember some of the clients that I've had in business I never thought I would work with. Like I know these people. I grew up with them. Um and it's funny because at the start they weren't there, but they're there now and they go full circle. When Sometimes people just need to they need proof. Would you buy something the first time you saw it? No. Would you buy a car you'd never heard of? Definitely not, right? It takes time. And then they need that trigger that makes them ready to buy as well. That's why consistency is so important. I love that you brought up the should I start a new account. I'm laughing yeah. at a couple of people I'm imagining in particular. I'm sure they'll hopefully probably listen to this. Or I'll definitely send it to them. Yeah. Um, because I, I always say that as well. Whenever people ask me, I'm like, no, because of the reasons why you want to start that new account. You need to Fear. overcome yeah, yeah, exactly. putting yourself out in front of these people. And also, there's two ways to make money. You pay for traffic or like you, you, you pay for that money. You pay for the web traffic with paid ads or you sell to the people who are in your network. It's the network effect, right? Organic marketing or paid. And the power of the network effect says you and all the people that you know, print out your Facebook list, look at people who watch your story, who follows you, anyone who you've ever worked with, anyone who you went to school with, your family, your family, friends. These people, uh, you probably have 100 people at least in your immediate circle of which even if you converted 10% of them, I'd say 1200 bucks a package, you get 10, 10 clients, you're sitting pretty. But then on top of that, you have their network effect, right? And then your client success can bring clients. So people are scared to sell to the people that know, like, and trust them already when they're the ones that are more ready to buy from you than anybody else. And there's a, a SMS blast that I – well, this. In our portal for our clients, we have a lot of tools and templates that they can use. And there's a series of SMSs that I wrote that they can send. And the one that's the most popular goes to the family and says, hey, dad, um, as you know, I've opened up a few like few spots. I've got limited availability left um, for the new year. And I thought of you because I'm sure you would know somebody who wants to get healthy and I'd rather give it to one of your mates first. Yeah. Is anyone come to mind who th- who are you thinking of right now that's a good question to ask because people aren't likely to refer because it, it feels unnatural but i say if i said who are you thinking of right now they have to say a name it's very different if i said to you is there somebody that you can refer me to versus who are you thinking of it's the same same thing just worded differently and this is what i mean about the human behavior principles and the psychology and the copywriting that's so important to learn um, when running a business yeah, I love that. Uh, every time I hear one of those like little ways of changing wording or, or doing things, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm. I think that's, that's amazing advice. What would you say is the most common kind of limiting belief or objection you get when you are starting to work with a new um, female personal trainer that's looking to kind of grow a business, grow online, grow their social media presence? Um, I think it's always money. Like they always say it's money, but it's not. What do they really mean? Value. I think they either don't value themselves enough to believe they're worthy enough to invest that money in themselves, which is funny because they all have eyelashes, fake boobs, and hair extensions, which is fine. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying you got the money. We like in our world, in London or in Sydney, you've all got the money, right? If I said to you, I've got a Ferrari, 2024 model just released, and I've got it, and I've actually got it for ten grand. Do you want it? You would find that ten grand, grand, right? And so. A lot of the time they say money 
Um, I think it's like to get you off a call, but really it's this fear that they're not worthy or they're going to fail. This fear of failure and then they've invested the money and it doesn't work. And that's also, they come back. They come back and they say, how long does it take for people to make their money back? I'm like, oh, that's what this is about. That's what this is about. You're, you're, you don't, or, or how many hours a week do I need to put into this? I'm like, you realize this is your business. It's not a course. I'm not here to teach you anything. Like, I mean, I am, but it's your business that you're about. I put 60 hours a week into mine. I don't know about you, but like, that's how many hours do you want to put into it? And it's this fear of trying, this fear of failing. If you don't try hard enough and then you fail, you tell yourself it's okay. I didn't try hard enough anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think it really does come down to a lack of self-worth and self-belief that stops people from going all in, whatever that means to them, right? Do you want to repeat that? Because I actually feel like that is one of the single most powerful bits of advice people ever hear, but no one ever thinks, and that's that if they don't actually try, then they can't say they failed. Exactly. You have to. I did it. I did it my first bodybuilding show. I, I purposely self-sabotaged because I didn't believe that I was worthy of the win. I didn't think I had it within my reach. And it wasn't until I came second that I was so pissed off with myself because I knew I could have. I knew I could have come first when I saw that lineup. And I just thought, fuck, I held myself back because I was too scared. I didn't believe in myself enough to think I was gonna win, so I purposely self-sabotaged. And people do that in life. People do it in relationships, they do it in business. They're, they're scared to try, they're scared to lift heavy, or heavier or add weight to the bar because they think they're going to fall, right? Fall. So what? I mean, get a spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing you're not scared of, it's, it's lifting heavy. The back squat in particular is yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? But I try. <laughs> that, um, that kind of brings me on to my next question. Something we were talking about just before we started was around this statistic I saw on how like 94% of women in C-suite positions in the UK were athletes growing up or played sport competitively Crazy. growing up. So sport arguably uh, sorry bodybuilding sorry arguably being a sport i'd say it's a sport yeah you know what would you say bodybuilding has done for you in terms of transitioning any benefit to your career success and where you are today bodybuilding is a 24 7 sport i've been around professional athletes people who get paid to play sport for a living and do nothing else and i've been a bodybuilder and i've been around bodybuilding and bodybuilding is a 24 7 sport you have to watch what you eat every single meal every day supplements training steps cardio especially like obviously the last however many weeks depending on your condition but eight to 12 weeks out it consumes you the amount of focus and devotion and discipline it's not motivation it's definitely not motivation motivation gone, gone right at that point it's a choice it's a conscious effort to to choose yourself to remain true to the word that you said that that promise that you made yourself your true why and it's the discipline the focus the devotion the consistency um you know saying no to the things that you want to say yes to saying yes to the things that you want to say no to these are all traits that make for a really strong leader and founder because you have to put like i do things i don't want to do right in business i've and, and I've done it in, in, in comp prep, but I, I would hate to do it in school or whatever it is. But I, when you understand that it's a puzzle piece or a stepping stone in your growth and it's part of the bigger picture, then you'll get it done. And I think there's too many people that are too quick to tap out when it gets hard. And that is n never going to get you anywhere. You've got to get yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that athlete mentality, that run till I bleed, work till my fingers bleed, whatever it is, it's that 
drill sergeant Jenna part of me that must be have been raised by an army man, you know. But it's it's um those traits and can the, the that carry over into all parts of life really that that make you strong and consistent and and that's important in business as it is in fitness yeah that's a really cool answer do you ever find those traits go a little bit far sometimes do you have to like tap into some more feminine energy or traits to like balance it out pull yourself back rest yeah. and recover a little bit or if you don't choose a day to rest your body will choose it for you I flew to the UK for a holiday to spend Christmas with my best friend and New Year's in Paris. And I was in a coma in hospital because I caught meningococcal. And maybe that's just shit luck or a bad immune system because I worked so hard and burned the candle at both ends. You know, I have extremely high standards for myself. I tr will not miss a session, like training four times a week, working 14 hour days. I never stop working. I am my work. I bump into people on the street and I find myself pitching, yeah. you know, and I love it. I, I love training. I love working. I love reading. I, I don't give myself a lot of time to relax because there is a little voice in my head that's like, rest. And then I'm like, no, read. All right, like watch Netflix, no, learn or go for a walk, listen to a podcast. And I'm kind of like, oh, it is tiring and it is hard and I don't know how to handle it yet. I mean, it's handling me right now and I'm here and I'm healthy and it's working, but it is a conscious effort for me to slow down, journaling, meditating, meditative walks, because sometimes sitting down and meditating is not a vibe for me. But yeah, it's, it is a conscious effort and you do have to – you do have to be mindful of it because I do believe in business and in life we have seasons. Like a competitor, you have peak week or yep. you've got 16 weeks of prep and then you have your off season. So I don't necessarily think you go 100% every single month. Just like your revenue is not going to be the same every single month. So maybe your input one month is 150 and then the next month it's 80 and then one month it's like 200 and then you have to pull right back. You But you have to like average it out. It's like overeating on your calories a couple of days a week. It kind of balances out over the week or under eating. But you don't want to do it to a point where one day you're starving and exhausted and the next day you're full and greedy, right? Greedy and full. So you kind of have to find your balance and, and get good at saying no to the things that you don't want to say no to and yes to the things that you want to say no to. Um, but you know what I'm, where I'm getting at with that. So, um, and again, you see it in a micro version when you do a bodybuilding show or a session, like you can go too hard and you, you start to feel it. But then um, when you look back on the year, you go, okay, I can see this period of time was hectic. This period of time, like December, I basically took the month off, um, especially when I was not conscious. <laughs> um, so then now now I'm like going all in because I'm keen to be back. Next month, I'll be dealing with all the clients that I've picked up this month. So it's kind of like you've just got to learn to try and find a neutral middle ground so that you're not constantly swinging between hyper and hypo arousal yeah i think that's great advice i look forward to circling back in maybe two three four years and seeing how you're getting on with that as you just said still kind of figuring that out so yeah when we do circle back to that and i say hey jenna you burnt out or what in hindsight would you have changed any of your answers in a few years time when i asked you that question what does that look like what, what do you hope to have achieved personally and professionally in the next two three four years or so I hope to have more freedom to enjoy my day, um, more time, more time to myself and with people I love. I would love to build a loving relationship and family of my own. I do want to have a family, not 
in the next three years, but be on that path. And I want to build the team, build the team in the business and build our customer base so that we can reach more people and help them help their customer base and be known for that. Um, To be able to travel and build my digital footprint and to help people um, give them the tools and the skills that they need to make a difference as well. Oh, I love that. Such mm. a warm answer. I really, yeah. That's There's amazing. my feminine side. <laughs> yeah, you're working on it. If exactly. I'd asked you three, four years ago, maybe that answer would have been a bit different as well. So. Have a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> More Louis Vuitton bags. I'm <laughs> done with those. Oh, yeah, yeah. One's enough. Yeah. For now. We'll see. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. I feel like that's a really, really nice place to end. But just before we do, um, Obviously, where can people find out more about you and working with you? But before we get to that, is there anything based on what we've spoke about this evening that you'd like to add? Like any closing thoughts or anything that you were just like, oh, yeah, do you know what? Actually, I'd love to share that. Just don't give up. Just life is really short and it's going to be handed to you by somebody else if you don't choose it. And if you don't choose your life to live, you're just going to live someone else's. If you don't choose your passions, you'll bring somebody else's to life. Just don't give up. Find out what you want. And if you don't know what you want, don't give up on finding it. Just keep pushing because um, it is short. I mean, you've only got one and it is ending. It's like the only thing I can promise you is that it's, it's ending. I know it sounds miserable, but it's true. So just don't quit. And you can find me at uh, Jenna Davies Marketing on Instagram and Big Appetite. Big Appetite. It's like Big Appetite, but spelled with a U because we have an upward trajectory and a passion for growth. And just to make it complicated, my personal Instagram is Jenna Ann Davies. <laughs> yeah, we'll obviously get all of those links in the, yes. in the show notes. Thank you for having media. me. I loved that. But yeah, that was really cool. I genuinely feel like I learned a lot. That was really insightful. I've, you've instantly made me think about a few things in a different way. So yeah, thank you so, so much oh, again for thank coming you. on. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, it would be amazing if you could do us a massive favor and leave us a review and even if possible, a comment. The reason why this is so useful for us is it allows us to know which type of content and which guests are best going to be relevant for you and your goals so that we can continue to make the podcast even better for you in the future. Thank you so much so far for all of your support on the Women's Wellness Show.